years ago, I used to think, man, if I just had staff, it would be easier. And there are some things that are easier, but the list of difficulty is much longer than it used to be. Because before, if I failed at something, oh, Abe, just do a better better job next time. But now it's like, okay, well, if that fails, it impacts a lot of people. And so I've got to, I have to think about this really differently. And then you find that you, at least I do, I'm always having to try and think in the future about what's next and be so far into the future and, and think for them in a way for what's, what's good for them in the future. But at the same time, I have to be present where I'm at. So that's just like an interesting tension to manage where you're like, I need to be present, need to be here, need to be relational. At the same time, I got to be thinking about what's next and where we're going next. And then what could God potentially be doing in that person's life? Well, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for tuning in and listening wherever you are and wherever this finds you today. Thanks for making this podcast today a part of your day. If it's your first time listening to the show, welcome. I'm excited to jump for you to jump in with us today. This is episode 134 of the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, talking today about multi-site student ministry. And if you're not in a multi-site context, just like we said in the last one when we were talking about bivocational ministry, tons of principles and wisdom here to pull out for you that will help you in your current context. I love What's shared today, excited for you to hear from my friend Abram Haley today, a fantastic youth pastor in Texas who has been a massive help to me, which we talk about a little bit in this interview. You're going to hear him be incredibly purposeful and thoughtful, which I appreciate about him. Just very strategic in what he does and how he approaches things. I think those are going to be massive wisdom nuggets for you. So very, very excited for you to hear from him today. Show notes today will be at thelongerhall.com slash episode 134. So you can go there. If you can't remember that, just go to thelongerhall.com. You will find all of the podcast episodes there, both this one and the past episodes. And any show notes from those will be there too. So excited to jump in today. Excited for you to hear from my friend Abram. And so with all that said and all that out of the way, here is today's episode on multi-site youth ministry with Abram Haley. Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now, here's your host, Jody Livingston. Before we really get rolling here, what if we took a minute, Abram, and let you just kind of introduce yourself to those listening, for those who won't know you, kind of where you're at, how you got into youth ministry, why, like me, you keep doing it, even though we're both really old and bald. Uh, and yeah, yeah, and then we'll jump in from there. Yeah, so my name is Abram Haley. I serve at Sugar Creek, which is a multi-site church in the southwest part of Houston, Texas. I've been doing student ministry for about 18 years. I got started in student ministry because of the impact that student ministry had on my life around seventh grade. Long story short, life was pretty tough at that time for me. Came from a pretty big family, dealt with loneliness, depression, very suicidal. Made a couple of really bad decisions. And as a result, kind of got me into a place where uh, my parents started to really get concerned about where I was and got plugged in to the student ministry of my church. Really amazing a youth pastor to this day, still good friends with him and, and got me plugged into the student ministry, got good friends around me and 
man got serious about my relationship with the Lord, probably going into high school. And it was in high school, I believe God really revealed to me that he wanted me to take a step into ministry full time for the rest of my life. And so I made that commitment actually when I was a senior, went to school, did undergrad, master's and biblical studies and theology and all that stuff. And I have been doing student ministry ever since. Got my first job as a student pastor when I was 18 years old. Me too. Some some church man was just that desperate. I tell people all the time, don't don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. I was the student pastor and the janitor, and I got paid more as the janitor than I did the student pastor. Well, I didn't get paid at all. So there you go. (laughs) I was... And then I'm pretty... When I did start getting paid, I was still losing money because I was driving a good bit to get there. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I was hired as the youth guy and ended up being like the music and youth guy. Mm-hmm. That's when they started paying me. So I think they paid me mm-hmm. to be the music guy. I don't think they ever paid me to be the youth guy. That that um, kind of goes that way. Yeah, it kind of feels right. <laughs> so I mentioned in the intro, when I was moving here to the church that mm-hmm. I'm at now, out in Southern California, I was moving into a multi-site context, which I had not served in previously. Our structure at the time was really different than what it is now. And the role I was hired into even is different than what I'm in now. But I made a few phone calls to folks and had, I'm not even really sure how I ended up, who told me to call you? I don't even remember. I was trying to figure that out this week, but somebody did and Mm -hmm. gave me your number and you answered or an email at least. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really helpful for me. So maybe just thinking back a little bit into that before we start, I think there's some, Mm -hmm. I know that every multi-site is different and, and you and I have talked enough even even now, like the way that you guys do multi-site and the way that we're doing multi-site is, is there's similarities, but there's differences. But there's mm-hmm. kind of, I would, in my mind, from from being here now five years into this, there's two probably extremes in terms of how multi-site works that are, that almost every multi-site church is going to fall into somewhere mm-hmm. or somewhere in the middle. On this side, you have what I would say very autonomous multi-site. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. where those campuses kind of make their own decisions, more of their own decisions, they kind of run a little more on their own, and even that to varying degrees. And then on the other extreme side of that, you have, I mean, I'll, I'll call it franchise. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's maybe the best word, but more of a franchise idea where there, everything is sa- the same or, or more things are the same, and then kind of a degree in that, right? Mm-hmm. When I got hired here, we were very uh, leaning toward the autonomous side. There were some shared things for sure, but a lot of our campuses had a lot of freedom to kind of do their own. We've since moved more to that, closer to that franchise line, which is part of the restructuring that we've we've brought about, which is why I'm in the role I'm in now. So like for context, when I got hired to the campus that I was leading, I, it didn't matter what any other campus was doing in student ministry. I, it didn't affect me at all or vice mm-hmm. versa. I could do whatever I wanted. They could do whatever they wanted as long as it you know, was consistent with the overall direction of the church. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. the case now. Now we're leaning in and doing things together more, way more similar than not. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Would you, is that a yeah. fair assessment? Yeah, I, w- I would say for context, I, on a scale from one to 10, you know, if one is, hey, you're just completely autonomous, and 10 is like your franchise, it's like Chick-fil-A, 
we're yeah. probably about in 7.5 or 8 or so. So there are some yeah. things that we're yeah. very centralized in. And then there are some things that we would say we give freedom because of the uniqueness and flavor of that campus and that community. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're definitely closer to that end of the scale for sure now. Mm -hmm. And I think we, when we made the shift a couple of years ago, we went pretty heavy franchise mm -hmm. and then have slowly kind of found more of a livable space. That's probably, you know, more around that seven, eight kind of space mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. I think, I think for us, man, it, it really comes down to resources. Like what is yeah, yeah. those kind of three common questions? Like, is it doable? Is it reproducible? Is it sustainable? And those questions kind of drive a lot of streamlining things and centralizing things and making it more franchise in some ways, because you only have so many resources to go around. Yeah. Agreed. And even from a structure standpoint, our structure has changed so when I was initially hired, like I said, I was leading the student ministry on one of our campuses. When we moved, when I moved into what, I mean, I'll call it more of that global role where now I'm overseeing mm -hmm. our student teams across our campuses. I was still leading a campus at first. I was leading mm -hmm. a campus and overseeing the others. Since then, I'm no longer doing that. Now my role is I'm, I'm really overseeing all of the campuses. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you're similar or we're similar. Is that right? Yeah, I, I would say the majority of what I do is global. Yeah. But there are definitely moments where I'm getting granular at one of the campuses. Yeah, for sure. And the same. Uh, the same is true for us, Different, especially different seasons or depending on the staffing needs or, mm -hmm. or what that looks like, for sure. So let's jump in a little bit to some of the challenges of multi-site. What would you say mm -hmm. are kind of the biggest challenges when it comes to youth ministry in a multi-site context? So I think in terms of problems to fix, intentions to manage, the tension that we're managing often is how do we grow with limited space? So that's like a really common tension we're dealing with and, and probably every student pastor is dealing with in some form or fashion. That's one we're, we're dealing with because you just can't, hey, let's build a building because there's projects going on at multiple campuses all the time. There's a whole list of things we're trying to get done across campus and student ministry isn't always at the top of that list when it comes to needing more space. So that is like managing the tension of spaces is a thing. Yeah. Problems, I would say, man, really come down to like two things. So for one team, so like as a student ministry team, when we're doing a global event, like let's say summer camp, we're all hands on deck, we're all working to put that camp together. The communication pipeline is really easy to accomplish because we're all working in the same direction where it can get problematic is that like I might have a student pastor who's at one campus and then they might function kind of differently as one staff and one team mm -hmm. at that campus than we do on the student ministry team. So I'm dealing with a problem of how do we constantly communicate with the person to make sure that everything is kind of on the same page. I mean, communication is key. It really is. And collaboration is really key, but it's hard to accomplish sometimes when like, let's say as an entire student ministry, we have a Halloween party in October, but one campus that's new is trying to grow. And they also have a fall festival and they just happen to fall on the same weekend. And there's no way you can kind of navigate that other than it's got to happen, you know? Right. And right. that's, that's, a, that's a, that's a hard thing to deal with. 
So communication, and what was the, what was uh-huh. the second one? You said uh, main two problems. Uh, yeah. So communication's a problem, and then man, just navigating space, spaces. Uh, spaces, whether it's shared space or you need more space. Do you guys are all of your campuses in permanent buildings, or are some of you set up teardown? We are now all brick and mortar. Okay. So for us, we have both. Right. We have. And, and that affects programming, right? So like yeah. our, our campuses that have brick and mortar, there's, they're able to do things that mm. our set-up teardown campuses can't, even mm. from a schedule standpoint, not even just from a facility standpoint, but just from a schedule. Uh, what Midweek looks different for us, weekends. We, we largely do not have weekend programming for students mm. on our campuses except for a set-up teardown because mm. our midweek can't look like what the others do, right? So our midweek at that mm-hmm. campus is small groups and homes versus mm-hmm. programming on a campus, which means the large group teaching is happening on Sundays. For mm-hmm. our other campuses, everything for us happens on midweek. And so there's mm-hmm. a tension in that. Like when you're talking about, yeah, communication and space, even that collaboration piece, that's tough for us. Mm-hmm. That's tough yeah, for man. us. Do you guys, yeah. in, in terms of your teaching, are you guys teaching the same thing across? And what does that look like? Yeah, we actually do. So we do three things. We have one curriculum we use for Sunday mornings. We have a bank of sermons and curriculum we use on Sunday nights. And then we also do in-house. And we do it that way because there are seasons where we have more bandwidth to create in-house context content other than other seasons. So there might be some yeah. seasons where like, Hey, we're having student ministry stuff. And there's all these like all skate level one events where it's all hands on deck for the entire staff. Well, during those seasons, we lean more into curriculum and we try to leverage curriculum for volunteers, you know, because gotcha. we really yeah. try to raise up those people who have that spiritual gift of teaching and put them in those roles. And, and curriculum is a great thing to give someone if they're trying to learn to, how to hone the, the skill of teaching and preaching. Yeah. So for us, we it's simple for it's it's simpler for us because our, our programming is a little um, we've we've lessened our programming actually. So we will map out like this year we're we're spending the entire year in the book of Genesis. So we mm-hmm. sat down and mapped all that out ahead. So we basically outline those texts, those messages together. So everyone's teaching mm-hmm. the same outline. But then across the campuses, they can take that outline, add their own illustrations and, you know, those types of things to it and build out that message. But we're all, mm-hmm. it's all the same fill in the blanks, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then our, our small groups are, are still somewhat message-based. They're, they're, the que- they're question-driven around the text. So not necessarily around mm-hmm. the message, but around the text. And every campus is using the same small mm-hmm. group questions mm-hmm. that, are, that we're mm-hmm. writing. So... Mm-hmm. We'll meet next month to map out next year, mm-hmm. so that so we'll meet in December to map out the next school year of that. And then our goal is to have all of those messages done, small group questions written before summer hits, because we know when summer comes, that we won't get it done before then. That way, because mm-hmm. we, we like to give what one of the things we've done this year, which has been really helpful, is we've given all of those small group questions and all of that curriculum, if you will to our small group leaders at the beginning of the year for the whole year in one binder, Mm -hmm. one book. Mm -hmm. So they've been able to kind of have that, which I think has been a big win for us, but it's a ton of work on the front end. The nice thing is now we're about a year ahead. So it's, we, it's a little easier 
the mm-hmm. last year was hard. I think last mm-hmm. year we almost died trying to get all that done, but yeah, that's hard, man. But the consistency is a something that's, that's kind of as far as we've gone. Now I know, I don't know currently, but I know Bayside, uh, out here in California, they used to, for theirs, it was just kind of, here's the main idea or the big idea mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. want you to teach around. And they would mm-hmm. teach around, everybody would write their, their message about that big idea. For mm-hmm. us, it's the same text, same outlines, and then they build from there. So, yeah, we have like the when we're using curriculum, it's pretty much like, hey, stick to the bottom line, stick to the scriptures, stick to the theme, use all the same graphics. But you have freedom and illustrations, freedom and how you lay out the message. When we do in-house stuff, that's usually all of the communicators getting together yeah. and us agreeing on a content structure. And then building out things together. And it might be, there have been times where each person's written a sermon or I've written all of the sermons. We've also contracted people out before to write stuff. It just depends. And a lot of it comes down to like, man, what are we just trying to creatively and uniquely do? So that's my personality. Like I always want to do something unique. So I think the team loves that and hates that sometimes because they're like, oh, that's great. But then sometimes they're like, man, why can't we just repeat something? You know, and I'm like, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, my bad. No. I'm a big dreamer, right? Let's get in front of the whiteboard yeah. and let's dream a bit. And I don't know that yeah. my team, not all of my team are dreamers. Some of them are very much yeah. like, just tell me and I'll, we'll do it, you know, which is great. Yeah. You need both. Yeah. You need all those. Yeah. You what definitely. About, what about volunteers for you guys? You find that challenging? When I got here, it was very challenging. Uh-huh. I, man, I'm just like super humbled and blessed to have so many volunteers that are just incredible. I, th- I think intentionally though i like to design and build a leadership pipeline that's kind of been man just something that god's put on my heart like building leaders for now and for the future and so we really don't i'm actually going to say this truthfully clear conscience before the lord we really don't have a lot of trouble getting volunteers in student ministry yeah no i love that we don't either yeah. right now abe if you were at my church and you said hey i want to volunteer in students on any of our campuses Mm-hmm. I'd have to make up a role for you. I have, yeah. we have more volunteers than we to need. Be. And let me hear, if you're listening, I'm telling you, that's not because we're large and multi-site. That's because we have been really intentional to build a culture, mm-hmm. a healthy culture for our volunteers and mm-hmm. a repeatable pipeline, if you will, system mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. allows us to continue to recruit high capacity volunteers. And the volunteers mm-hmm. we have are, they're bought in. We, I mean, a few episodes ago, we talked about volunteers, kind of what we do with our volunteers and how we go about that. That's not always what, to your point, when I got here, that was not the case. Uh, we mm-hmm. were, we had volunteers, some of them were mm-hmm. better than others, but we just surely didn't have enough and we couldn't find them. I mean, they would not come. So mm-hmm. like, just like with large church, multi-site's no different. The larger your ministry, the more you need. So the more volunteers you need, the more things cost, like... Do I have a larger budget now than I did when I was at that church at 18? Yes. But I also have so many more students now than I did then. Mm-hmm. And it and I find, I don't know about you, budgets don't necessarily scale <laughs> proportionate to the number of students you have. No, not multi-site. I mean, usually it's, hey, you have, let's just say for easy math, you have $10,000. Well, now you're going to add another campus. Well, now you got to carve out 25% of that. Yeah. And you still have more kids at that current campus. You're going to get more kids at the next campus. And so you're always having to streamline every time you launch a campus. Yeah. Yeah. Which is tricky. How, how about your team? How, let's talk a little bit about managing a team of people. What are mm-hmm. some challenges there? 
man, like I love the team that I have. They are incredible people. We have a lot of diversity and personality. And so what that means is like, man, we just have people who I think are in positions that are designed for their gifting and their skill set. As far as leading a team and shepherding them, man, that is like a space that I have to put a lot of work into my own development just as a follower of Jesus. Like if I know how the good shepherd leads me, then I know a little bit better about how to lead them. I think the immediate challenge, which completely is designed to grow and stretch you, is you truly have to care about the people on your team beyond the work that they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like in terms of, I'm a dreamer, doer, Mm -hmm. take the mountain, Mm -hmm. let's go get it. And if Mm -hmm. I'm not careful, I can outrun my team. Mm -hmm. And I know I can frustrate them because I've got mm-hmm. more ideas than we can ever pull off. Mm-hmm. And and so I have to I have to slow a bit and, and turn. And I have a phenomenal team too. I, I wouldn't trade the folks that we have right now for anybody. I think we are, you know, five years in, we've restructured a couple times in my five years here. It feels like we finally have the wind to our back. We, we've kind of figured out a bit of some, some rhythms for us that are good. And we're not perfect. We're still figuring things out, but we feel healthy which I appreciate. I appreciate so much. Yeah, man. It's like years ago, I used to think, man, if I just had staff, it would be easier. And there are some things that are easier, but the list of difficulty is much longer than it used to be. Um, Because before, if I failed at something, oh, Abe, just do a better, better job next time. But now it's like, okay, well, if that fails, it impacts a lot of people. And so I've got to, I have to think about this really differently. And then you find that you, at least I do, I'm always having to try and think in the future about what's next and be so far into the future and, and think for them in a way for what's, what's good for them in the future. But at the same time, I have to be present where I'm at. So that's just like an interesting tension to manage where you're like, I need to be present, need to be here, need to be relational at the same time. I gotta be thinking about what's next and where we're going next. And then what could God potentially be doing in that person's life? I can I can be a little obsessive over that, call it childhood trauma. I don't know where I overthink, whatever it is. Yeah. But for the most <laughs> part, man, I'm always trying to like, okay, I, I wanna have an open door conversation with everyone on my team to be like, hey, look, I wanna let you know, I, I love you, I care about you and I hold you loosely. I don't want you to ever be here just because you like working with me or you feel like you have to be here. Like I really want God's best for you and God's purpose and plan for you. And so, you know, all I ask is that if you're, if you're ever looking or thinking about doing something else that you just have a conversation with me and I'll always have your back and I'll always be in your corner, but I just want to make sure that I can also walk through this season of ministry with you, man. Cause sometimes you get yeah. people for a long season. I mean, there's, there's one person on my team, who has worked with me at two churches and I've been working with her for mm. 10 years, you know, and that's awesome. And then there's another person who, I mean, they've been working with us for three months, you know? And so that's yeah. a, that's a dynamic. Yeah. yeah. I think I'll say this. I'm trying to think of how to say this so that it doesn't sound like I think it's going to sound. When I started in youth ministry, you know, at 18 or whatever, and even, even after that, especially in this, in a smaller context, I loved so much. Like I knew every kid, I knew every family, 
I knew the parents. I knew what was going on in every kid's life. I was meeting every kid for lunch. And, and then as the ministry grew and as I stepped into a larger context, there was a moment where I didn't know every kid anymore. Um, and, but I knew every volunteer, right? And so I was pouring into volunteers because I knew every volunteer. And I knew, I knew kids, but I didn't know every kid. And I couldn't, even if I knew them, I couldn't invest in every kid, right? I had to, had to be mindful about that. So I invest in those who made themselves available. And I was available to any, but those who made themselves available and leaned in are the ones that we leaned into. And then I spent a ton of my energy pouring into my volunteers who were pouring into their small groups. What's interesting now is I don't even know all of our volunteers across our campuses. I know most of them, but we're always getting new volunteers to that point. And so I certainly don't know all of the, the kids anymore. But I, and, but I don't know all of like I walked onto campus last week, one of, one of our largest campuses, and I'm introducing myself to volunteers that I haven't personally met yet, you know, and trying to do that. So now I'm investing in staff who are investing in volunteers who are investing in kids. And then it's what's what I've really enjoyed in this last season, maybe this last year, is it's really freed me to run at parents across our campuses like I've never been able to, which has been really fun. But but that has been a challenge to me because that's a I have to think differently and lead and lead differently across that. So that feels unique to multi-site. I don't know that like obviously it if does, I was leading man. a large church, I would know them all. Yeah, it does, man. You just, you eventually just, uh, when I got here and every church I've been at, I feel like I've been really intentional about getting to know everyone's names, but it got to a point where it just scaled so much here. Cause we, we, we've added a couple of campuses, a few campuses since I've been here and man, it's just been, it's hard to keep up eventually, you know, yeah. and you have to be really intentional and people are really gracious and understanding, uh, here, you know, cause you just can't know everybody. Yeah. Um, but I do think the cool thing about that in a way is that you get to see what your student pastors can do or different people on your team can do without you, you know, because yeah. yeah. your hands don't. Uh, one thing that I think is very true to multi-site is you just can't have your hands on everything at some point. Right. You just have to trust people. You just have to empower people. You just have to delegate authority to make decisions. And if people fail, then you just walk through it with them and you evaluate it so we can have some su success next time. And then yeah. uh, you also, it all, that also means that like people just have successes without you and that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, your name doesn't have to be tied to everything. Yeah. That, that's, that was a lesson. That was a lesson for me that I'm yeah. still learning. If I'm honest, yeah. I got my hands in same, still that same. I, I, I probably made it sound like I had it figured out. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I called you because you did have it all figured out. What about, let's, let's talk about a, some of the advantages for a minute. Cause I do think those exist for sure. Mm -hmm. The challenges I will say, let me just say this one last thing about the challenges. I don't, I wouldn't say that multi-site is complicated. Mm -hmm. I think I would have said that when I first got here, I would say now mm -hmm. five years into multi-site it's complex. Mm -hmm. There is no small decision in a multi-site mm -hmm. context. Everything mm -hmm. is a complex mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. feels like a massive challenge. You can't just do something. You, there's so many layers to everything and who it affects and how is that going to impact this? And I mean, it's just mm -hmm. the ripple effects of every decision. The complexity is always a challenge to me. It's true, man. There, there are some things that are just complex. Like one campus can't just go rogue and do their own thing. 
because it might just take off. And then you're like, right. oh, wait, well, how do we handle that? You know, because we're trying to move, we're trying to get everyone to pull the rope in the same direction. Yeah. And you have started a new tug of war over there. I'm trying to figure out how do I tackle that now? Yeah. Yeah. And yet it happens still. <laughs> it, it does. And then sometimes it turns into like, hey, we should all be doing that. Why didn't we think yeah. about that? You know, and that's, that is one of the cool things I think that come out of the challenges is that sometimes someone finds out something that you didn't think about. Um, like, man, we have this following up with new people used to be so complicated for us. It's super simple now. And what do you guys really tell me that what that looks like for you guys? Man, it's really simple. So like, um, every event we do every Sunday we do, we don't plan to it. We plan through it. Probably heard that before. Yeah. And so, uh, when we have new people, simple process, um, on Monday after Sunday, because all of our programming is on Sunday, okay. uh, we make sure that all the information is correct. Then that information is given to the student pastor in that particular ministry uh, that we have. And then, man, we just do handwritten cards yeah, and send them out to them. And then that's it. It's really simple. And you'd be surprised like how well that actually works when you just sit down and I'm like, hey, Jody, like, thanks for coming. My name is so-and-so. It's so awesome to see you and yada, yeah. yada, yada. And that works really well. Of course, there's some other things we do in there. Like we'll add like a free drink card to get, you know, or like front of yeah. line pass or simple free things that are easy to remember and bring or that they can take a picture of with their phone and bring in next time. But we used to do like, you know, shirts and all that kind of stuff, but that got way too expensive. You know, we yeah. have like, like last year we had in the last, uh, yeah, last year we had over 400 new students that came yeah. across our campuses and that sounds like a lot, but when you tackle it every single week, it really isn't. Yeah. But also if you're trying to give out four free shirts every year, that 400 free shirts, that's just, I can't afford that anymore. Yeah. So handwritten yeah. cards, man, that's how we roll. So what we'll, we're very similar. Uh, we, we probably do a little more. We could maybe streamline what we do even. We have, so all of our campuses, we have either a new student tent out front or table inside. And so it says... It's got our logo on it. it says new stop here on the tent. And we have mm -hmm. uh, welcome team volunteers there. They greet mm -hmm. the parents or the student. They take their information there. We give them a goodie bag that has free stuff in it. Tumblr, stickers, pen, journal, mm -hmm. coupon for a free drink, something like that. The bag, what's in the bag isn't that important. I try to give them things they won't throw away though. The bag really just lets everybody else know that kid's new. That when you see some kid walking yep. around with a bag, you're like, oh yeah, they're new. They don't know where they're going. That's why they look lost. Then what happens is before the before those volunteers leave, they write a handwritten card to every mm -hmm. new student from the welcome mm -hmm. tent. Mm -hmm. Then our student guys bring that in. We mail that out the following day. And then mm -hmm. we send a letter that's signed by the student guy to the student, just letting them know, hey, here's when we meet, what we do. And then we mm -hmm. still do the free T-shirt. They get a coupon for, hey, bring this back. You get a free shirt. It's mm -hmm. a really simple shirt. It just has our student logo on it. Mm -hmm. The shirt for me is twofold. One, it's a bribe to get them to come back a second time. But I really want them to wear that thing. So I make sure that shirt is something comfortable. Because mm -hmm. I also want to flood our schools a little mm -hmm. bit with that. So it's twofold. We may not always do I that. Like, We've talked I about like those ideas. Things. I like those ideas. We... We one other thing we do when they show up. Of course, we have a designated new person table in every one of our spaces, yeah. so you can't get past check in. 
Like, cause it's a pretty secure area. We even have like a security guard there just for, you know, the sake of yeah. safety. Cause we are obviously don't want people to come in who don't have background checks and things yep. like that. But one of the things we do, it's a little different at every campus, but we basically say, hey, make sure that they have something that tags them. So yeah. some people have had bracelets, some people have had bags. We're a little more flexible about that around campuses are not as fixed because it just works differently, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But it, in a real similar way, man, it's it's a smart move I learned from someone else that was yep. like, hey, just tag them. And then your, your students, like all of our student leaders know, like, oh, that yep. person's got that on, they're new. Yep. And then that's easy and almost like organically takes care of itself. Yeah. Our students know to look. Our leaders know to look. Helps our student guys as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Across the campuses. So that's cool. Sorry, that was a diversion. That's free. We won't even charge them for that. We'll just give yeah. that. Let's yeah, talk about some of I'll give you a swag bag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. Me too. Yeah. I'll give you uh, one. Yeah. I won't mail it though because it'd be expensive to mail. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about some advantages. What are some of the advantages when you think of multi-site? Man, what you can do together is pretty awesome. Like, because yeah. when I was in, I would just say a smaller context, like a smaller town population wise, like there was maybe a couple schools. And if you really want to do anything on a large scale, you had to partner with other churches. Yeah. It's not that we don't partner with other churches. We still do. We're just, when you have multi campuses, you get to bring everybody together for camp. And what you can pull off when you have all of your campuses together, camp is like, epic yeah, like yeah the production yeah. value the fun then they get to meet each other and then there's this like really cool thing that i think happens in multi-site or anytime churches get together and do something if they do it every single year um man it almost feels like a family reunion it's like oh man it's been a while since i've seen you how are you doing and that just creates a newness and freshness every single time you do camps or retreats or if you do like a one night thing or a city night thing or whatever, everyone does that kind of differently. Yeah. Um, you could just do more together. The other thing that is really awesome is that, man, you can actually scale things pretty quickly because you do have a team of people to help you get stuff done. So if you're yeah. like, hey, let's reach X amount of students this year, nine out of 10 times, we always hit that goal because you just have a team of people that can help you do it. The other thing that I would say is really cool, man. And this is the thing that is just such a huge blessing is like, you do get on campuses a little bit easier. Like yeah. you just have, a if your church has a good reputation, ours has a great reputation. If you just say, Hey, I'm on staff at Sure Creek. They're like, Oh really? What do you do there? And you tell them like, Oh yeah, absolutely. You can come to our campus and you just get invites really like all the time to, to stuff. And that's, yeah. that's a huge blessing, man. Yeah. I would say, that's true for us too. It's probably not as easy in California still as it is mm -hmm. in Texas or maybe even down yeah. in the South. I got on campus yeah. when I was in Georgia and North Carolina, really easy. It's not as easy here, mm -hmm. but I mean, we do. So it's not that it can't be done. And, and mm -hmm. you're right though. It is, it's probably still easier for us than some others. I think, and mm -hmm. you kind of alluded to this in the terms of working together, but one of the biggest things that I've found and and I'll, let me let me say this caveat, and maybe we can I'll dive into this a little bit too, but not necessarily in the role that I'm in as much, but prior mm -hmm. to the role I was in when I was one of the campus uh, youth persons people, I think was the that lonely, the official title? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. It was on my business. It was card. on your name tag. It's on my <laughs> it's business card. Tag. I never gave up. I'm a youth people person. I'm yes. a youth people person. The, the loneliness that I used to experience in other contexts mm -hmm. because I was a one man show mm -hmm. is is lessened because you're with people 
So you have a mm-hmm. built-in network already in the multi-site. And that's, if you get along, really, mm-hmm. really nice. Not that you always yeah. do. It is really nice when you all get along. Yeah. Not that you always do. But I remember just starving for connection with mm-hmm. other youth pastors and people who mm-hmm. were in it with me. And yep. and, and, and really having to go and find that myself. Which if you're yeah. listening and that's you, go find it. Call a youth pastor, invite them to lunch, breakfast, coffee, do something, you know. And it that was such a benefit to me everywhere else to an extent that's built in. Now, what I will say, the downside to that is it's very insulated. Mm-hmm. So it's not ne- you're not necessarily getting as maybe diverse of a perspective mm-hmm. as you would if you built a network outside of that. And then the yeah. caveat that I was going to say earlier is that has changed for me moving into the role where I'm now overseeing campuses. When I went mm-hmm. from being one of the campuses to overseeing them, that dynamic changed, right? Like we were friends. Now I'm your boss. Mm-hmm. And so I've probably, well, not probably, I will say, I felt some more of that loneliness in this mm-hmm. role in this season than I had prior in when I was just serving one of the campuses. And it, it, it shouldn't have, but it did surprise me. Mm-hmm. It's it's true, man. Like you do have to. Uh, I mean, I don't like when the team, anyone on the team, calls me boss. I'm just like, don't don't call me that. Feels strange. Yeah. Um, and so they just have resorted to calling me dad, which <laughs> I am not old enough to be any of their dads, you know, yeah. at all. Unless there was like a teen pregnancy situation with maybe some some other you know other people right, on the team because yeah. they're so young. But like, dude, I. I love the fact that I'm in this new season now where it's like, I feel like I'm a pastor to student pastors, even though I am the student pastor. And I think it's just a unique challenge when you are like, Hey, I do need you to do this. And yeah, I understand that you probably would do it differently at your church prior to here, uh, but I need you to do it this way. And trust me. And if it's a, and if it fails, I will take full ownership of it. If it succeeds, I'm not going to tell you, I told you so. Right. I'm just going to celebrate you, celebrate with you in the success of it. Yep. Yeah, that's very true. What about, what about some myths? What are some myths that you think that were broken? I mean, you've been in multi-site a couple of different contexts. So I have some <laughs> that aren't probably unique to multi-site, but I, you know, I think when I think of large church, I have some, but we definitely, yeah. I think there are also some multi-site ones that I could think of. Man, I think one that I actually believed and then discovered is not true is that like large churches, multi-site churches, it's not that they don't care about the smaller church in town. It's that you are just running at such a pace that you don't get the opportunity to slow down. So I have to be like really intentional about getting to know other guys, you know, and I love when people reach out and they're like, Hey, do you have time for lunch or something? I'm like, absolutely. You know, cause I'm going to one pay for their lunch. And then two, I'm going to get get to know world their world and their perspective, and they're probably seeing and doing things I'm not thinking about. So that that's one myth. Another myth that comes to mind is that you have a massive budget, and <laughs> you just live in a land of just resources, and you get to do whatever you want. You have a ton of autonomy. The truth is, is that the more responsibility I have gained over the years, or the more authority that I've been given just comes with more accountability. Yeah. Yep. You know, it, there's just more accountability. And if you're living in a place where you believe you have autonomy, chances are 
but you're probably setting yourself up for a reality Firing. check. Yeah, <laughs> to get fired. fired. Yeah, that's a, that's another <laughs> thing. That could happen any minute. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. When your when your keys no longer work, that is a sign <laughs> that your time yeah, has been, come. Yeah, I haven't had that one happen to me, and I pray <laughs> that it never does. Yeah. <laughs> I think the budget one's huge. I think, you know, we were talking about volunteers earlier. I think I always thought, well, of course you have tons of volunteers. You're a really big church. Like, yeah, but I also have a lot of kids, right? So... <laughs> Again, not everything scales equally. I love I mm. love that first point, you know, about not caring about the smaller churches or the churches because I remember being on the other side of that and feeling like, mm. oh man, they just think they're too good. Mm. And now I'm like, no, I just don't stop, man. I am a hundred miles an hour all the time, I feel like. Mm. And so you, to your point, like I have to really be intentional and make time to do that. I think yeah, I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like when you're at the airport and you're walking on a sidewalk, and if you stop to tie your shoe, people walk around you. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of what it was like when I was working in like a smaller city or something. But when I started working at like a really large church, it was like if I stop on the moving sidewalk at the airport, everyone's like, "Hey, hey, what what are you doing? What are you doing?" And like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you instantly feel uncomfortable. And like, what am I doing? Also, that would also be true if you're just standing on the sidewalk instead of walking like you do on those moving sidewalks, people are like, Hey, what are you doing, man? Like you should pick up the pace. So there is, there is, there's a lot of pressure. And and then dude, this is one other one I think is really important is that, that we think we have it all together. Actually, I, I feel like I know way less about student ministry in the larger context. It's like, cause things get really complicated, you know, now there's like one policies and procedures that are for adults and teenagers. And then there's things you can't do and you can't get away with this. And there's, there's a lot of red tape. I mean, things are just really different. You know, you kind of open up to a whole world of things that you just never thought about before. Well, and, and in a small, I'm trying to think, should I say, I'm going to have to say it now. I already said it. I mean, I could edit it out, but I won't. Okay. I think in a smaller context, (laughs) (laughs) in a smaller context, you can oh, kind of get away with maybe not always playing by some of the rules, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just can and nothing major. Like I'm not even suggesting you should. I just think church, I know churches do. In a mm-hmm. larger context, especially in a multi-site context, you can't because there's so many mm-hmm. eyes on you. Like I remember in COVID, we had people who were not a part of our church coming on campus and recording what we were doing to try to report us to see if we were following the rules or not. Like I guarantee you no small church in your area was having that happen, but it is for us. So the pressure to your point, pressure's on, like we have to really, really think uh, about it. So that's, that's a good one. I'll tell you one that we face. And I don't know if this is true for you. Maybe it just, maybe it's more our area. Yeah. Every time I sit down with the new youth pastor in my area and start talking to them and we start to get to know each other. They always say the same thing. They say, they say, when you're not what I thought you'd be like, mm-hmm. I, I th- they expect me to be really shallow. They expect me to be, you know, to not be big Bible guys. They expect me to be, you know, all about the show. They expect me to be all about the flash and that mm-hmm. ends up not the case. Right. And so I just think that's a myth that every large it church is. or multi-site church is shallow, doesn't know yeah. the Bible, doesn't teach or preach the Bible is all about the show. Like that's not true for us at all, but I can understand from the outside having been in another context. Okay. Yeah. I could see how that would be a thing. Yeah. I think to that point, like one of the things I really learned 
from just great preachers and teachers and communicators of God's word is that over time, you, your messages do become simpler at a larger church because usually the people you're going deep into discipleship with are leaders. You know, when I was, you know, when I first started as a youth pastor, I thought the main mechanism for discipling and teaching people God's word was preaching a sermon. And so I put a ton, ton of energy in that. And that's a part of it. It's a component of it. You actually, just like you said earlier, man, there's just so many layers to ministry that you get to create. And if you're smart, intentional, and intentional about designing them, they're going to be the kind of elements and components that build and create Christ-centered community and they grow God's kingdom instead of you trying to grow your kingdom. That temptation does exist in larger contexts where you can just build your name and your brand. It does. But man, usually, I mean, in the context as I've worked in, there's just always been super godly people who are usually keeping that from happening. Those, those decisive forces of reason that are like, hey, we really we really need to build this around the word of God or, and build this, build this. So it's God's kingdom, not ours. A lot of that I think can sometimes be a myth. There are churches just out there trying to build some big business and maybe they are, but I haven't encountered too many of them. I think to, to the point, one of the, this myth that maybe this is one last, and this may sound hypocritical based on what I said, like a few minutes ago, but this myth that you, you can't be known in a large church or multi-site church. That's just not true. I think if you don't want to be known, you can certainly come and go and not be known. But that's true of any church. Um, and yes, I do not know all of the students who come to our campuses, nor do I know all of the volunteers. I know almost all the volunteers, right? But, but somebody knows them. Like those volunteers know the kids in their small group. Our student leaders, our student staff know the volunteers that are pouring into those kids. And so I think there's actually a greater opportunity to be known in our context, to really be known than others, because there's more opportunities to be involved and to be known. And that doesn't make it better or worse. It just makes it different. But I think there is this idea like, oh, well, they don't know anybody or, you, you know, you can't be known. It's too big. You can't like it is what you make of it. It is what make of mm-hmm. it. I agree, man. It, there, there are, you know, like in a smaller context, I can think of this tension I always felt of trying to know every kid. Well, now, man, it's like I've got great leaders who know their group really well and are probably better at I ever better better than I ever was at connecting with those kids and building relationships with them every single week. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, before we kind of as we wrap up here, any last thoughts or anything we haven't kind of said already yeah man actually i i would say a few things one you know multi-site isn't for everyone true yep. i i will say that if you don't know a multi-site guy you you need to mm-hmm. and if you're a multi-site guy and you don't know anyone at a at a smaller context around you then you need to get to know them because we just can't reach all of the students by ourselves yeah, yeah. we're only going to do it we're only going to be able to do it together and so my my heart, man, is, and it still is, and maybe I'm just a dreamer in this, is that student ministries will begin to work together and lock arms and really care about the students in their community. And um, instead of getting caught up in uh, a competition, because, man, co- a collaboration is just so much greater yeah. than yeah. competition. It was one of the, I will say, that is one of the things that I noticed when I came here. 
uh, the church, uh, the churches mm-hmm. that I've been in before here, uh, always seemed mm-hmm. really concerned with what the larger church down the street was doing. That is not mm-hmm. a, and you know maybe it's because we are the larger church down the street. I don't, I don't know that mm-hmm. I ever worry about what they're doing or who they're reaching and who we're not. How, like, I'm just focused on what's in front of me and how can I help other people reach other people. Like, well, I want to be a mm-hmm. resource for those other churches as much as I can. You know, yeah. where I'm able. I'm not I'm not concerned about others. Yeah. And and you're right, multi site's not for everybody. If you're not a team player, you're gonna struggle yeah. in multi site because you're not yeah. always gonna get your way and everything happens as a team. So Yeah. That's good. It really does, man. Those are good thoughts. Anything but any resource, book, podcast, website that you would throw out to folks before we go? I mean, there's a there's a ton out there, man. Like I'll, I'll say this: there there are a number of books that have really impacted me. One one book is The Lost Art of Disciple Making by Leroy Imes. There's a there's another corporate book. I forget the author, but it's called The Leadership Pipeline. It's actually designed for businesses on how they build out levels of leadership. And then, man, as far as I listen to probably all the youth podcasts that everyone else listens to. You know, I do think that if you're not, I mean, like, there's a lot of opportunity to, to study what Orange is doing. Orange Students is doing great things. You know, DYM with Doug Fields and Josh Griffin, they're doing great things. You know, Youth Pastor Co., if you know who they are, they're they're kind of newer to the scene and curriculum and stuff. But man, they're doing some really cool things as well. And those are the ones that really come to mind. M- much of what I've learned about multi-site, truthfully, has been from businessmen. Yeah. Because they they really just know how to do things on a scalable side. Now I have talked to some other guys out there at at I would say churches who have larger larger than us, yeah. you know. Yeah. And those are guys I'm I'm trying to talk to who are like have you know twelve and fourteen campuses, knowing that you know as we begin to move in that direction as a church, I'm trying to understand what challenges might be coming down the road as well. So like, man, bottom line for me is just like great leaders are lifelong learners. You never stop learning. Those those are the best kinds of leaders, man. I love it. Well, Abram, thanks for coming on today, man. I appreciate it. Again, I'll have links to those, those books he just mentioned in the show notes as well, along with all the other things. So thanks for tuning in and listening today. I think that'll wrap it up for today. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Longer Haul Youth Ministry Podcast. Before you go, hit that subscribe button to keep these conversations coming. For notes, resources, and to join our community, swing by thelongerhall.com. Stay encouraged, keep making a difference, and remember, we're in this for the longer haul. Catch you on the next episode.